You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today we have a special message in store for you. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truth from his word today. Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet as he wept over the spiritual condition of the nation of Israel. He was also known as camel knees because of the calluses that had developed on his knees because of his prayer life as he prayed that God would restore the nation of Israel to its former glory. We talked about this morning, make America what? Great. And the only way that we are going to be great is to return to our spiritual heritage. How do we go about that? Is it even possible for that to happen? We're so thankful for the men and women who gave their lives that we could enjoy the freedoms and liberties that we have today, and we all enjoy that. We could certainly have been born in another country where we wouldn't have what we have here in America. We've been blessed. But there's something that's more important than the physical blessings of liberty. It's to be set free spiritually. Spiritual blessings far exceed any physical blessings that God could afford to us. And that's what we all, that's what, that was the message this morning. That's what we're all to be engaged in as soldiers of the Lord Jesus. That we're to fight a good fight of faith. And here, Jeremiah is called upon by God to be a prophet unto the nations. The nations. Jeremiah certainly would be considered the major of the majors when it comes to prophets. His book is the longest of all the books written by the prophets. More than Isaiah, more than Ezekiel. You take all 12 of the minor prophets combined and his prophecy is longer than all of those. So he certainly was the major of the major prophets. Called by God to deliver a very timely message to the nation of Israel. A message of repentance from their backslidings. We certainly have gone backwards, haven't we? We don't even have to go into the evidences of that. I think it's very clear for all of us to see right before our eyes. We talked about what would be necessary for a restoration of the nation to take place and we saw that out of Revelation chapter 2 where we are to uh, remember from whence we are fallen and we are to repent and do the first works and then God promises that he would restore us. And this is the same message that Jeremiah preached throughout the book of Jeremiah. Forty-five times, if I'm counting correctly, 45 times Jeremiah is called a prophet to the nations. Not just a prophet to the nation of Israel, but a prophet to the nations. So do you not think that would include us? Yes, he is a prophet to us today. Listen to the words of God. And I will bring upon that land all my words which I have pronounced 
against it. Even all that is written in this book, the book of Jeremiah, which Jeremiah hath prophesied, listen to me, against all the nations, not just against the backslidings of Israel, but against all nations that forget God. For many nations and great kings shall serve themselves. Sounds like uh, the swamp. And I will recompense them according to their deeds and according to the works of their own hands. Thus saith the Lord God. Now we come to Jeremiah chapter 1. Look at verse 4 through verse 10 as God calls Jeremiah to this prophetic ministry. Then the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Behold, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, the omniscience of God. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. Think about that for just a minute. Does God have a plan for your life even before you are conceived in the womb of your mother? Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the what? I can't hear you. What? Nations. Then said I, A Lord God, behold, I cannot speak. Have you ever wrestled with God over something you felt God would have you to do? You know, getting into an argument with God. Then said I, A Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. Prophets are supposed to be preachers. I can't do this. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whithersoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid, be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. So right up front, the Lord informed Jeremiah that he was not going to be well received. You know how your message is uh, not well received? Just look at the looks on people's faces. I have watched that over the years. I have watched as some will smile as I preach and others will stare me down. Well, Jeremiah was told he's going to get stared down. They're not going to be smiling at the prophecies of Jeremiah. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. <clears throat> and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have set thee over the nations. I just think that's so interesting. That though he was a major prophet to the nation of Israel, the plural is used over the nations and over the kingdoms. Now notice this, to root out. Boy, there's some things need to be rooted out of our country. To root out, what's the next one? To pull down, thank you Pansy, appreciate that. And to what? Destroy. To root out, to pull down, and to destroy, and just to make sure it's all covered, 
and to throw down. Once that is accomplished, then he could build and he could plant. Remember what David said, if the foundations be destroyed, and we see them being destroyed, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? What? Rebuild them. Build them back up again. Now jump over to chapter 3. And I'm just, I'm just picking out a few selected verses here. And here we find Jeremiah calling the nations to repentance. Verse 6, and I'll just read through verse 8. The Lord said unto me, In the days of Josiah the king, Hast thou seen that which backsliding Israel hath done? She is gone up upon every high mountain and under every green tree, and there hath played the what church? Harlot. What is he talking about there? Worshiping of idols, spiritual adultery, turning their back on God, worshiping false gods. And I said after she had done all these things, turn thou unto me, but she returned not. She refused. She would not come back to God. And her treacherous sister Judah, the divided nation, saw it. And I saw for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put, put her away and given her a bill of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. Now I just need to pause, kind of sidetrack here for a minute. Many people run to this and justify divorce and remarriage. Okay, First of all, let me say this. God can do what we cannot. So just because God does something doesn't mean that that is a cause for us to do it as well. But as we continue on in the reading here, even though he had divorced himself from blessing Israel, Israel was still considered his wife. And Judah also played the harlot, but he never says that he divorced her for her harlotry. So this is simply a divorcement of God removing his hand of blessing from the nation. Now, I think you'll get this as we continue. Uh, jump up to verse 12. Go and proclaim these to, uh, words towards the north and say, Return, thou backsliding Israel, saith the Lord, and I will not cause my anger to fall upon you, for I am merciful. Praise the Lord, saith the Lord, and I will not keep anger forever. I'll, I'll forgive. You come back to me, I will forgive you. I will restore you. Only acknowledge thine iniquity that thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God and hast scattered thy ways to the strangers under every green tree and ye have not obeyed my voice, saith the Lord. Turn, he's pleading. The Lord is pleading through Jeremiah. Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am what? Mary. Now, just prior to this, he said, I've divorced you because of your adultery, but now he says, but I'm still married to you. For I am married unto you, and I will take you one of the city and two of the family, and I will bring you 
to Zion, and, and I, I love verse 15, maybe because I'm a pastor. And I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. I want to tell you something. It is a, it's a blessing to have a good pastor who's faithful to the word of God, who's going to teach you and lead you and guide you correctly. And listen, God says that's what he would do. We need more preachers like that in the pulpit. Wouldn't you agree? But that's what God says he would do if a nation would turn back to him. He would give them good pastors. Now look at verse 20. Surely as a wife, referring to Israel, surely as a wife treacherously departed, departeth from her husband, so have ye treacherously with me, O house of Israel, saith the Lord. A voice was heard upon the high places, weeping and supplication of the children of Israel, for they have perverted their ways. Have we perverted our ways? You could say we're perverts. For they have perverted their way, and they have forsaken, excuse me, and they have forgotten the Lord their God. Now verse 22, he pleads again, return. Return ye backsliding children, and I will, what? What? Heal. heal. Isn't he a good God? And I will heal your backslidings. Behold, we come unto thee, for thou art the Lord our God. Now drop down to chapter 4. And here we find another call for them to return to the Lord. If thou wilt return, O Israel, saith the Lord, return unto me. And if thou wilt put away thine abominations. Can someone here tell me what are some of the things God called abomination? Sodomy. If you would put away sodomy. Someone said it. A proud look is an abomination. If you just put away your pride. A lying tongue. Six things doth God hate. Yea, seven are an abomination. How about discord among the brethren? Falls into that camp right there. Something else that would be an abomination. I can't hear you. Hand that shed innocent blood. Again, in that list of the seven. Feet swift running to mission. You're all stuck on Proverbs chapter 6, aren't you, right there? Uh, someone else. How about the worship of what? False gods. He's talking about it here and every, under every green tree and up in the high places. These things are an abomination. So what do we have to do if we are going to be restored as a nation? We have to? What? Pull down, throw out, destroy, before we can build and plant. But we have to get rid of our abominations. Is abortion an abomination? Shed innocent blood. I don't know if you've been following the news lately, but hasn't it been a blessing to see a turn in this whole abortion issue and to see some states are pretty much making abortion illegal, period, and it's going to go to the Supreme Court. There's no doubt about that. 
But when you see people out there protesting these decisions, like the heartbeat bill, and they're protesting, I, I can't get it. I don't know if you can or not, but I can't even get their argument that it's okay to kill that child, that human being within the womb of that mother, especially now with technology that we can see that it's just not some blob or some mass or just some embryo, but it's literally a living soul. I just can't understand how callous and hard we can be concerning the embracing of an abomination like that. This has to happen. Remember I spoke this morning about how our moral compass is what? It's broken. Now, who is the one that should set the morality for a nation? It's the church. That's why... We are either a part of the solution of what is happening. We have to become more vocal. We cannot stay silent about this. We have to put on the whole armor. With Listen, we need to fight for the cause of Christ and for our nation. If thou wilt put away thine abominations out of my sight. You know, I never thought that we would see the turning of the abortion laws like we're seeing. It gives me hope. Does it give you hope? That things can turn around. I'm so thankful that uh, our president, I think he has appointed almost 150 federal judges. You don't hear much about that. And I'll tell you something, we need to pray that our president gets reelected. I hope he gets reelected by a landslide and is able to appoint another conservative judge to the Supreme Court because Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she's not going to last too much longer. And won't it be a wonderful thing to replace her? Come on, church, there's a little hope out here. There's a lot of bad news, but there's a little hope out there. But the greatest hope is the gospel. That's what changes people. Verse 2. And thou shalt swear, the Lord liveth in truth, in judgment, in righteousness, and the nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him shall they glory. For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, break up your fallow ground. What is fallow ground? Hard ground. Ground that's it's difficult to get a plow through. It really has to be broken up. Can sometimes we as God's people develop that hard heart? That we sit and we listen and we read and we hear and yet it just kind of sits on the surface? That wayside soil? Appreciate that good yep back there. Break up. Listen, you have to break it up. Preacher can preach his heart out, but you have to break it up. Break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. 
Remember what Jesus said were the thorns, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches are like thorns that spring up and choke the word, becomes unfruitful in our lives. Then he says this in verse 4, Circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskins of your heart, ye men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire and burn that none can quench it because of the evil of your doings. Look at verse 14. O Jerusalem, wash thine heart from wickedness that thou mayest be saved. How long shall thy vain thoughts lodge within thee? Verse 18. The way of thy doings have procured these things unto thee. This is thy wickedness because it is bitter, because it reacheth unto thine heart. You see, this is all that I'm talking about is a heart issue. All that we see going on in our nation today, it's a heart issue. It comes forth from the heart. The heart has to be changed. Verse 19, the weeping prophet says, My bowels, my bowels, I am pained at the very heart. My heart maketh a noise in me. I cannot hold my peace because thou hast heard, O my soul, the sound of the trumpet and the alarm of war. Are we as broken over the spiritual condition of our land as Jeremiah was? Maybe if we become more broken over our own personal sin and over the sins of our nation, we would maybe feel the same way that Jeremiah felt. Verse 20, destruction upon destruction is cry, uh, cried, for the whole land is spoiled. Suddenly are my tents spoiled and my curtains in a moment. How long shall I see the standard and hear the sound of the trumpet for my people is foolish. They have not known me. They are stottish or stupid children. And they have none understanding. They are wise to do evil, but to do good have no knowledge. Wow. Was uh, Jeremiah trying to be politically correct with his words? He was pretty much telling it like it is. Jeremiah, throughout his prophecy, asked several questions. Listen to what he says. Why, why is this people of Jerusalem slidden back by perpetual backsliding? Why? I, under, I understand his frustration as a preacher. Why? Why do you keep doing this? They hold fast to deceit. They refuse to return. No man repented of his wickedness, saying, What have I done? Everyone turned to his own course as the horse rusheth into battle. How do we say we are wise and the law of God is with us? The wise men are ashamed. They are dismayed. They have rejected the word of the Lord. And what wisdom is in them? They say peace, peace when there is no peace. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not 
the health of the daughter of my people recovered. Oh, that my head were waters and mine eyes as fountains of tears that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Church, I think we need to get more serious about praying for our country. As this Memorial Weekend rolls along, may we never forget the price that is paid and we, we never forget what's going to be necessary to bring this nation back around to where it truly is a great nation in the eyes of the Lord. I want to close with Jeremiah chapter 18. Let's turn there. What I want to do is read responsively. I'll read the first verse and you read the second. And I want you to pay really careful attention to the reading of this passage. And we're going to read through verse 18. Now Jeremiah, God is answering all the questions that he has as to why is the nation in the spiritual condition that it's in, what can be done about it, if anything. And so he takes Jeremiah to the potter's house. How many have ever heard that portion of scripture? Jeremiah, come with me to the potter's house. And there I'm going to answer your questions. So we're going to read through uh, verse 18 of Jeremiah chapter 18. I'll read the first verse. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying... Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. Are you all getting that visual in your mind right now? Of the potter and the clay and the wheel, and there's a little mar in there, and he's digging the mar out, and he's breaking it down and starting all over again. Okay, I want you to see that. Verse 5, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, If God can do with a nation what the potter can do with the clay, there's still hope for us. This excites me because I know a lot of times we think there, there, there's just no hope. It's gone. We're gone too far. We're under judgment. This is just the way it's going to be. We need to brace ourselves. But if the potter can do that, how much more can the Lord do that? Remaking that vessel. Verse 7. And what instance shall I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy. That goes back to chapter 1. Keep going. And at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant. Now therefore go to and speak to the men of Judah 
and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I frame evil against you and devise a device against you. Return ye now every one from the evil way and make your ways and your doings good. Well, there is no hope if we do that. Verse 13, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Ask ye now among the heathen who have heard such things, the virgin of Israel hath done a very horrible thing. Why would you forsake those pure, clean waters? You, you wouldn't do that for something dirty. Because my people hath forgotten me, they have burned incense to vanity, they have caused them to stumble in their ways from the ancient paths. We need to go back and restore those ancient paths to walk in paths in a way not cast up. And I will scatter them with an east wind before the enemy, and I will show them the back and not the face in the day of their calamity. Think about that, God turning his back on us. Listen, that should scare every one of us to death. When God turns his back. Now I'm going to read verse 18, we're going to close here. Then said they, after hearing all of this prophecy, how did they respond? How many think they responded in brokenness and repentance? Then said they, come and let us devise devices against who? <laughs> Someone tell me what you think that means. Let's devise a device against Jeremiah. What? Let's get rid of him. Let's shut him up. We don't want to listen to his prophecy anymore. Let's bring some false accusation against him. You know, I read this. I couldn't help but think of the liberal left and how they don't want to debate any policies. All they want to do is cast blame and attack individuals' character. They don't want to discuss the issues. Maybe this is the beginning of the Democratic Party. Let us devise a device against Jeremiah. For the law shall not perish from the priest. Well, their priests were corrupt nor counsel from the wise. Remember what we read earlier? The wise men had no wisdom. The priesthood was corrupt. The wise men had no wisdom, nor the word of the prophet. Come and let us smite him. Smite who? Jeremiah. Let us smite him with the tongue. Let's throw blame and accusation against him. 
And let us not give heed to any of his words. Isn't that sad? God didn't want it to be this way. If they would have only done what God had told them to do, things would have been totally different with the nation. Jeremiah saw zero results from his ministry. Are we seeing some results today? Yes or no? Yeah, we're seeing a few results. We're seeing the Lord is still working and still moving. And so that should give us encouragement today. How Jeremiah ever kept himself encouraged is beyond me. But he kept being faithful to the calling that the Lord had given to him. The Bible says in a great house, I think he's referring to the church there, in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but of wood and of earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man will be a vessel under honor, he will be sanctified and fit for the master's use. And so again I say this, Either we are going to be a vessel of honor or a vessel of dishonor. Either we are going to be part of the solution or we are going to be part of the problem. Peter said these words and I close. For the time has come that judgment must begin in the house of God. Don't you think it would be a good idea for it to start right now tonight? Right here with us? For us to really stop and seriously consider the prophecy of Jeremiah and see if any element of that prophecy would apply to us individually and if it first began at us what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God and if the righteous scarcely be saved where shall the ungodly and sinners appear judgment must begin right here Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.